Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We are slaves indeed, and we don't even recognize it. That's the message of a movie that came out recently streaming on Netflix, I guess. The Social Dilemma. Maybe some of you have heard of this. The Social Dilemma. And it tells in this movie, it shows the ways in which our social media and our smartphones and all of our devices have a grip on our hearts that amounts to a kind of slavery. And we don't even know it. There's this one really poignant scene in the movie where there's a a mom who wants to do well, wants to do right by her family. She and her husband, her two kids, they've all got their devices. She recognizes that those devices are having too strong of a grip on them. And so she decides, okay, tonight we're going to have a real dinner. All right, we're going to have a real dinner. We're all going to sit around the table and there's going to be no phones. I'm going to take the phone. She takes the phones and she's got this special uh, cookie jar. Okay, you put them in the cookie jar and then the cookie jar has a lock on it with a timer. (laughs) And says... We're not going to have the phones. We're just going to sit here and we're going to talk to each other like a family that loves one another. So you can imagine what happens next. Ah. They sit down at the table and they all just kind of look down, look around like, what do we do? And then they hear, beep. Where is that? Beep. Can I go check it real quick? No, we're having a nice family dinner here. And the 12-year-old girl, she says, oh, I've, I've got to get something from the kitchen. She goes off into the kitchen, and a minute later we hear, smash! As she's taken a hammer to the cookie jar, retrieved her phone, and run away. This is the kind of grip that these devices can have. It shares in the movie how uh, when polled, Americans, if they're asked, how much do you look at your phone a day? How much do you use it? People will say, you know, maybe a half hour, 45 minutes. And yet we actually have these kinds of statistics, and we know that on average, it's closer to three hours a day. See, We are slaves indeed, and we don't even recognize it. Now, the makers of that film, they didn't need to go to all of that effort to demonstrate that. They could have just listened to what Jesus himself had to say in today's gospel. Jesus is speaking to some of the Jews who had believed in him, and he says to them, If you know the truth, believe in the truth, then the truth will set you free. It's good news, right? The truth will set you free. But they hear that and they're like, not so fast. Wait a second. The truth will set us. Are you implying that we were not free before? No way. We are sons of Abraham. We have never been slaves of anyone You know, like the irony of that. They not know their history, right? The Israelites, remember that whole slavery in Egypt, 400 years kind of thing? And even when Jesus is talking to them, they're under Roman occupation. They've been slaves in countless ways throughout the years. But even apart from that political slavery, Jesus is talking about the deeper spiritual slavery that afflicts everyone. He says everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. There's no neutral place. There's no, you know, spiritual Switzerland, okay? But every single one of us, so as soon as we sin, we are a slave to sin. It's like, it's like that plastic cling wrap that you have in the kitchen, and that as soon as you touch it, you try to put it on the dish, and yet it just sticks to yourself, and it sticks to the other parts of the dish. It's impossible to put it over the dish how you actually want it to go. I digress. But if, you know what I'm talking about? So sin... 
Whatever it touches, it infects. And worse than that, it enslaves. Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. We are slaves indeed. And we don't even know it. And at the time of the Reformation, this was the message as well, where it started, as Martin Luther and others would, would call it, the bondage of the will. That in ourselves, apart from God's intervention, we are slaves. Luther would say it, put it even more vividly, he'd say, we are like a log that's rolling downhill away from God. It's never in its own right going to stop and turn and go back up the hill. We are lost. We are slaves. But it gets worse. Because you think, okay, so we are in shackles, then maybe we can just break these shackles off, right? We'll just try a little bit harder. We'll work a little bit more, and maybe we'll be able to break free of this slavery. We will make ourselves into free men and free women if only we do a little bit more. But St. Paul, in our epistle lesson, he cuts off that escape route as well. And he says, no, 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 no. The more that you do, the more works of the law that you attempt, the firmer your slavery becomes. By works of the law, no human being will be justified. Which is to say, nobody is going to be made right before God. No one is going to be set free in that way. And why is that? Paul says it's because through, works, through the works of the law comes knowledge of sin. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Well, I think of it like this. There was uh, this great commercial a number of years back. Remember the Got Milk campaign? So there's this commercial where a guy, he's clearly kind of a jerk, and he's walking down the street, and he's talking on his cell phone, and he's yelling at somebody, he goes, oh, you're fired! Next thing he knows, wham, he gets hit by a bus, and he's dead. But he awakens, and he's in this beautiful place, all filled with light, and everywhere he looks, there's fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies. He says, ah! heaven, right? He's stuffing his face with the chocolate chip cookies. This is awesome. He goes, he opens the fridge. It's filled with gallons of milk. He's like, all right. And he goes and he grabs the first gallon of milk and it's empty. And he goes and grabs another and another and another and all of the gallons are empty. And then suddenly he has this moment of realization as his mouth is stuffed with cookies. He's got no milk. He says, wait a second, where am I? <laughs> And it says, got milk with the flames coming up, right? What do I tell you this? Paul is saying that when it comes to the law and to works of the law, it's like all cookies and no milk. See? I like cookies too. The law awakens in us, creates in us that thirst for a righteousness that you and I can never attain by our own efforts. It creates in us a sense that we are trying, we are aspiring to the glory of God to reach that perfect standard, and yet we in ourselves can never reach it. And what the law diagnoses and what it exposes, it itself is not able to give. We end up with all cookies and no milk. And even in our own day, as we continue trying and striving, I mean, this is kind of the, the message of our world. If you do a little bit more, if you, if you go to the bookstore or on Amazon.com, what's the biggest section going to be? Self-help books, right? Oh, and I'm not saying that some of these can't be helpful in some ways, but we think, well, if I just do a little bit more, if I just had 10 steps or 12 steps or 15 steps, then I'm going to be able to get it. Then I will be able to set myself free. Then I know that I will be enough. I'll be good enough. I'll be acceptable to God. But the sad fact 
is that in all of our striving, in all of our working, we're just caught in quicksand. And it's like the harder you try, the more, the more you strive, the more you work, you just keep sinking lower and lower and lower. It's there when things are at their most bleak. When you and I are caught and trapped in that kind of darkness of despair and thinking, am I ever going to be freed from this body of death? Am I ever going to be a good enough dad or mom? Am I ever going to be a good enough son or daughter? Am I ever going to be a good enough spouse or employee or employer? Am I ever going to be enough? It's right when we find ourselves in that darkest moment that the light of grace suddenly pierces through. And we heard it today from St. Paul with two little words, two words that turn the tide and change everything. But now. But now. Paul says that we are slaves in ourselves, that the works of the law are never going to deliver us, that in ourselves we continue in this servitude unto death. But now, the righteous one, Jesus Christ, the one who, the faithful son of the Father, he has come down, and but now you are saved, a righteousness from God, apart from works of the law, the righteousness of God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. But now, Jesus has stooped down and seen us in our helpless plight and reached down to you and me into the quicksand of death, and he has pulled you out as he stands on the sure ground of Calvary and of the empty tomb, Christ Jesus, the righteous, but now has saved you, delivered you and made you his own. And I was kind of nerding out this week, as I want to do. Uh, as I was thinking about this and reflecting on this, I wondered, but now, does that show up elsewhere in the scriptures? And started looking around and I was amazed to see how again and again and again the same language shows up. And I'm going to give you just a, a few of the examples from the, from the Bible. 1 Corinthians 15 says, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But now, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Ephesians 2, you were separated from Christ without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Colossians 1, you once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Let me hear it. But now he has reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. One more, Hebrews 9. Jesus would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. But now you have that once-for-all redemption in Christ Jesus that changes everything. But now you have been redeemed by the amazing grace of God that though you once were blind, but now you see. And that changes everything, see? But now sons and daughters are made of those slaves. We are redeemed and set free by God's ever-loving grace. Let me tell you a story of, of one man for whom it changed everything, a guy by the name of George. And George felt himself enslaved 
to the expectations of the world, indeed to his own expectations. See, he had been born and, and recognized at a very young age that he was, he was like a child prodigy, a musical prodigy. And he grew up and at a very young age was producing these beautiful compositions and it, it won him um, great success, fame, and riches as his music was played throughout the world. But as he got older, as he got into, into middle age, he felt his inspiration waning. And he just started to burn out. And everybody else recognized it as well. They said, George, his inspiration is exhausted. The guy is washed up. He's got nothing left to offer. And so, so George felt himself in that slavery. But then one day, one day when he had hit rock bottom, he gets a letter in the mail. A letter from a, a friend of his whose own life had been touched by the message of the Reformation, the good news of the grace of God. And in this letter, his friend sent him uh, just a, a list of scriptures, of the scriptures of this grace of God. Maybe it was the ones I just read to you. I don't know. But whichever it was, George read that, and it was like he had this fresh encounter with the gospel. He himself, he had grown up in the church, but he had forgotten it. He had lost sight of it. And as he read those scriptures, suddenly it's like the light bulb went off inside of him. He felt himself coming alive with that forgiveness of God, feeling freed again, like that burden had been lifted from his shoulders. And so he runs into his room, into his study, and he just starts writing furiously and composing. Nobody sees him for like three weeks. And 23 days later, George comes out with his magnum opus, George Friedrich Handel. You know it as the Messiah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That guy. He had been a slave, but he was set free by that grace of God. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Pastor, I'm probably not going to write my own Messiah in the next three weeks, or maybe even the next three months, actually. But that's kind of the point, see. It's kind of the point because you and I don't have to be George Friedrich Handel. You don't have to be anyone else but who you are because who you are is who God loves. You are his beloved, the one whom he has claimed, the one whom he has forgiven and made righteous in his son Jesus. He loves you and looks at you as, and as his beloved in all of your mess, in all of your muck and mire, in all of your sin. He says, now you are claimed by me. So that as he has done for Castiel this morning, washing away his sins and saying, you are my beloved child, little one. Even though you have nothing to offer except your sin, I take you and make you my own. That's the word for every one of us. I used to say with the kids when they were very small and still say sometimes, we'd have this little thing that we would say, put their hands on the head and say, God's little child, that's who I am. He loves me so much. I belong to him. That's who you are, see. Freed by God. Freed in Christ. And that is the word, friends. That is the word that rings out through all history and eternity. That is the emphatic acclamation of the gospel, the consequential crux of the good news. Just what our Lord Jesus has said today. That if the Son has set you free... You are free indeed. You with me now? If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Hear it and believe it 
If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed from the world's expectations, free indeed from the grips of the law, free indeed from the mire of sin, free indeed from the fangs of the evil one, free indeed from the fires of hell, free indeed from the dread fear of death, free indeed. Amen? You are free indeed in Christ Jesus because he has taken slaves and turned them into sons and daughters. Now you are members of the household of God. You are citizens of the kingdom of God now and eternally. And nothing can change that. Nothing can separate you from his indomitable, unceasing love given to you in Christ Jesus. So now we are able to say and to sing as we will in just a little while those great words of a mighty fortress where we'll sing, no strength of ours can match his might. We would be lost, rejected. But now, a champion comes to fight whom God himself elected. You ask who this may be. The Lord of hosts is he. Christ Jesus, mighty Lord. He has set you free indeed. Believe it. But now... Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand for prayer.